You ready to jump wow. in? Yes. You ready to jump in? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. It's a podcast, not that. I don't want to explain it. It's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. It's a podcast, and it's time to start the podcast. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Spell You Later. Welcome, everybody. How's it going, Felicia? It's going great. Or should I we say? Have... Wait, Sarah. <laughs> oh, you shouldn't. Um, <laughs> I regret sending that. <laughs> uh, um, do we have any housekeeping at the top? I don't think so. No. I think, I mean, I don't know if there's any important, is there any important stuff from the Twitter we need to talk about? Well, everybody apparently agrees with you that I'm a gargoyle. Mm-hmm. And I don't know how to feel about that. Hmm, that's weird. That's weird. That's strange that everyone <laughs> also agrees with me. That's not a normal thing, but I want everyone to know I really appreciate you guys having my back on this one. The thing is, I've done like three Twitter polls now, and they've ever either been 50-50 or you. <laughs> like, I'm not used to this. You're supposed to be on my side. <laughs> Dude, and it's also fun because, like, a lot of your friends are, like, really active on Twitter and, like, are, like, the most vocal of the people listening. Yes. And somehow I'm still winning. I don't get it, dude. You're bad people. You're <laughs> all dead to me. <laughs> but please keep listening to the podcast. Yeah. But Just listen- start agreeing with me more. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean, I don't think we have any housekeeping. We're talking about sailors, though. Yeah, this is going to be another educational episode, kind of. It's along the same lines as sharks. Yeah. But uh, we're going we're gonna to try to make it fun for you. I got some spooky stories. Mm-hmm. You know, it's all good. And it's also an interesting world. The world of, say, I think it's something that we yeah. don't think about that often. Because, like, it's just like, oh, sailors. <laughs> and that's all the thought you put into it. It is like that. You know? <laughs> But it's a whole fucking world, dude, and especially early on, what they fucking went through. So right at the top, what interests you about this life? Where did this interest come from? Uh, so for me, it's more like I haven't had this forever, but like mm-hmm. the second I looked deeper than uh, like what life of a sailor is, and I found out kind of early sailors and that occupation and that job – I was like, this is kind of crazy. Just like human experience-wise, effect on our world today-wise, sailing has changed so much and we put so little thought into it. Yeah. And also what these poor, poor sailors had to go through to make that happen. For sure. Um, For me, I've always been obsessed with the ocean, but Mm -hmm. usually the human aspect is not the most interesting to me. But I'd say maybe... A year or two ago, I just suddenly became super obsessed with shipwrecks. (laughs) And I think that came from watching AMC's adaptation of The Terror, which I'm obsessed with. It's like, it's the best show in the world. I can't be convinced otherwise. It's 10 whole episodes. And I'm talking season one, baby. Don't even bother with season two. Um, I'd go on forever about The Terror if I could. I could do a whole ass terror podcast by myself, but 
I'll cap it at that. And we'll just say that's where my love of, well, I don't want to say my love of shipwrecks. That sounds terrible, but my interest in. <laughs> People are allowed to say they love true crime podcasts. People are allowed to yeah. say they love shipwrecks. It's just a okay. shipwreck podcast, right? It already happened. I'm just very interested in reading about it. <laughs> and she's glad their families missed them. <laughs> tell you one of these shipwrecks that I was doing more research into I legit started to tear up and it is because it's terror related and I was thinking about the actors <laughs> oh my goodness and you told me to watch that show early on yeah. and I yeah and then was going you, to and never did <laughs> you watched one whole episode super high and didn't remember anything yeah, yeah. you told me you liked their hats Oh, yeah, yeah. I should go back. <laughs> now that I'm not smoking weed, I should go back and try again. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, hell yeah. So where do we want to start talking about these sailors? So I guess let's talk a little bit about just a sailor's life. Um, for for me, a lot of my research and my interest is like mid-1700s to early 1900s. That's when a lot of like... Um, whaling uh, merchant shipping polar expeditions that kind of thing was happening it was kind of like the golden age of um, nautical navigation so that's kind of my experience are you looking at that as well or are you looking more at modern sailing i'm looking at the old timey i think modern okay. sailing is not as cool can we say that yeah <laughs> i don't know why but like if, it, if a book takes place later than like 1911 i don't care <laughs> yeah it's like you pussy you had so many it was probably comfortable on that boat okay right <laughs> yeah technology had advanced quite a bit you lived in luxury my dude yeah dude those deadliest catch guys try to be like we're the this is the deadliest job <laughs> dude you have a coat on you have a coat on and you don't have rickets. Shut the fuck up, okay? Any scurvy? No, I don't think so. Shut up. <laughs> Go through pain and for us to then talk about on a podcast comfortably in our homes. Exactly. <laughs> but yes, so, the golden yeah. age of sailing. Right. Um, so that's that's what I'm primarily interested in. So I know you've done a little more research about the life of a sailor than I have, so why don't you start us off? Yeah, I would say that when I looked into it, the first thing that jumped out to me was the fact that a lot of these sailors were filling occupational roles when occupational roles were less like how we see them today, I would say. You know, mm -hmm. your occupation had to serve a purpose in society or it didn't exist, as opposed to now where there's a lot of jobs that exist for the sake of people need to make money, so we need to have jobs, and it's a good thing to have a lot of jobs in your country. And so yeah. the sailor occupations, people would get pulled into them because, like, there wasn't good pay. They just got no. on this boat and needed work and were <laughs> thrust into the ocean and it's a like we've talked about a very unnatural place for humans to be yeah it's a very like i'm fed up with the world i'm gonna go to sea <laughs> yes <laughs> let's try the ocean out for size you know you know i'm upset that that option really isn't open to me in the same way yeah why don't they have something like that for us like you have that's exactly. like only fans now <laughs> <laughs> um 
What? You completely, it's another way to go, I am leaving what is considered normal society, and I am setting out on my own, and I'm going to do something that is very different than what is considered the status quo, which I feel like a lot of sailors were doing back then, especially during this, like, early period of sailing. Sailors were the first OnlyFans, dude. (laughs) I get it. You hate that take. (laughs) I mean, I get it. (laughs) But uh, I don't really see showing my tits to people <laughs> the same way that I see going to see. But sure, we'll go with it. I was speaking broadly. Obviously, you wouldn't do that, Felicia. Although, no judgment to OnlyFans, only dude. A Gargoyles OnlyFans, dude. Oh, my God. <laughs> Moving <Sure>. on. <laughs> uh, no, but it is that idea of, like, this setting out into the ocean, this unknown entity, and just going away. So be a, like, I don't know. Is there a situation where you're like, I want to be a sailor. It just isn't an option to me. Or is there a part of your brain that's like, this is, I like the daydream of being a sailor. It's definitely the romanticized version because realistically, any of these jobs, I would have died. First of all, I get very motion sick. (laughs) So that wouldn't be a great time for me, at least not in the beginning. Um, yeah, conditions were very terrible, and we'll get more into that. I, I would not survive on any kind of merchant vessel or whaling ship. Um, but it's just the, like, thought of escaping reality and just going to sea for mm-hmm. possibly years and just kind of exploring the world. But realistically, there's a lot more work that goes into it. <laughs> Absolutely. And and here's a good question. Have you ever you I think I asked you this over text, but have you ever been on a sailboat sailboat or just a regular boat? So my sailing experience, I guess I don't think I've ever been on a sailboat to my knowledge. I have been on like motorboats and paddle boats and ferries. Um, But no, I don't think I've ever like truly sailed the open ocean. (laughs) So I, since I'm from Nebraska, I've never sailed the open ocean, but we have a lot of lakes out here, and <laughs> I happen to be friends with someone who uh, owns a sailboat sailboat, like legitimate, have to drop the sail, the wind okay. takes it, you know, and we went out and he showed me how to sail. I can't remember. Oh, shit. <laughs> like, we went out sailing on this lake, and that was another thing that kind of clicked in my head, like, there's so much to understanding yeah. that humans had to get to to become sailors and like understand the sail drops here and you have to watch this and your rudder and your, you know, port side and lamb burst or whatever the fuck it's called, you know? <laughs> yeah. Starboard. For real though, there's there's a lot of science to it and understanding uh, like a lot of boats or ships had like experts in circumnavigation or or uh navigation in general but like you know for polar expeditions they had to have ice experts like that studied the type of ice under them to determine whether it was safe to proceed or not like there's so much science in sailing even modern sailing understanding you know how much sail to let out so you don't get swept out to sea um yeah that it's something that's like Again, it's a very romantic idea to have a boat, but in reality, I'd die. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Well, 
I mean, yeah. <laughs> me, me as well. Like, I, we're not built. I feel like there's this weird thing about people from, especially like this golden age of sailing, they're just, they're tougher than us in every way. The weakest yeah. person then was tougher than us now, you know? Yep. We're very green. Yes. Oh, yeah. Dude, good, good <laughs> sailor work. <laughs> Couple of greenhorns over here. We should just adopt the sailor nomenclature in our everyday vernacular. Well, you know what, Ben? I was going to save this till the end, but I have a little sailing terminology quiz for you. It just seems like an appropriate time. Yes. Hit me with it. Hit me with it. (laughs) Okay. So if I were to say the bow of a ship, what what part of the ship would that be? The bow of a ship. Now, do you Mm -hmm. want me to answer this honestly? If you know the answer, I want you to say it. Otherwise, I want you to take a guess. <laughs> the bow of a ship, I believe, isn't that where they strap the the hot girl to? They chain her up <laughs> on the front of the boat? Isn't that it? It is the front of the boat. You're talking about kind of like the masthead, like the figurehead of the ship, which yeah. is truly in the front of the boat the boat the bow is just the front end of a boat oh okay 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 so i was close yeah. half credit you were pretty close so if the bow is the front then what's the stern the stern mm-hmm. that's what my that's how my dad talks to me when he's mad <laughs> sure <laughs> no but, the, uh, the back the back yeah um so what's the starboard side of the boat Okay, this, this, I, I used to as a kid try to remember this because I thought it would be so <laughs> cool and, and like be like, someday will come up and you'll know. <laughs> Finally came up and I have no idea. It's either the right or left, but I have no idea I mean, yeah. what it is. So if you're, if you're standing at the back of the boat looking at the front, it's going to be the right side of the ship. Okay. Meaning port would be the left. Port side, left side. Yes. Starboard. And do you, by any chance, do we know why they didn't just use right and left? I do not. I didn't go that far. Goddamn sailors in their gatekeeping language, okay? I did try to pick terminology that either I've, I'm somewhat familiar with, but mostly just what I thought I'd be capable of explaining. Yeah. Because there's so much to a ship that I just can't even picture in my mind. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, what does leeward mean? If I were sailing leeward, where am, what am I doing? Sailing drunk. You're sailing drunk <laughs> if you're sailing leeward. Or <laughs> the opposite direction of the wind. Oh, or that, yes. <laughs> or that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I have no clue on that one. <laughs> uh, what about... Gun walls. Gun walls? Mm-hmm. Um, oh, fuck. What are... I mean, gun walls just feels like where they keep the cannons, right? Wouldn't that make sense contextually? They that would make sense. Out. And I think it's related. But truly, gun walls just means the upper part of the side of the boat. So if you wanted to, like, reinforce a boat so that water didn't come over, you would make the gun walls higher, essentially. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. So, how about halyard? Halyard. Yeah, if I were to hoist the halyard, what am I doing? Hoist the halyard. I don't. I. I don't even. I don't even have a funny <laughs> guess on that one. I have zero idea. So there, the lines are ropes that are attached to the sails that you would pull to raise the sails. Okay. Okay. 
Damn. Um, what is Halyard? Halyard. Halyard. Mm-hmm. What's the prow? The prow? Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, that's when I'm out at the bar and I see a hot chick. <laughs> I'm like, ooh, that's when There's I'm no... on the prow. <laughs> no Ellen. <laughs> uh, so prow is just another word for bow. It's just the front of the ship. Okay, but it's like the poetic... <laughs> poetic version like in all the sea shanties they'll say prow instead of bow i don't know why <laughs> that's that one i hate i hate that i hate that they're like bow mm, that common prow. tongue <laughs> <laughs> um okay if so what what am i doing if i'm going aft if you're going aft mm-hmm. uh I, you're sailing with the wind no <laughs> damn it dude <laughs> This is how I got through school, by the way. <laughs> so it's basically the the back half of the ship. If I said I'm going aft, it means that I'm like coming up the middle and going towards the back. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um. How about a binnacle? I kind of don't think this is still a term, just because of modern technology. But give it your best go. What's a binnacle? What's a binnacle? Yeah. It's 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 a shitty pair of binoculars. It's a it's a <laughs> cheap pair of binoculars. <laughs> no, but like it is equipment kind of. Um it's the stand on which the ship's compass is mounted. Oh. <laughs> ships would have the big fucking compass, the cool Yeah. One. Yeah. So like I wonder if they still call it a binnacle, but it just has a GPS instead. <laughs> There's just a GPS company called Binnacle. Yeah. Hey, I I support it. Um, if I were to say this guy is the bosun or the boatswain, who is he? He he is he's he's the guy he's the guy who smells the worst on the boat. <laughs> I mean, you might be right, <laughs> depending on the boat. But uh, he's just an officer in charge of the sails, ropes, and riggings. Okay, and that, that person is called a? A boatswain or bosun? A bosun. Damn. Mm-hmm. A bo- Couple more. What, what part of the ship is the forecastle? Or the, the fo- forecastle? That's where they play Mumford, Son- Mumford and Son songs. <laughs> what? The mum- That's the yeah. part of the ship where they, they, everyone gets together and they listen to folk music. <laughs> You know, you're not like super far mess off. Hall. Mess hall. No, <laughs> mm. it's the crew's living quarters. Oh, okay, okay. So they, yeah. they might. Um, what about what's the ship doing? If I were saying, uh, let's see, how do I use this in a sentence? <laughs> uh, <laughs> be careful that the ship doesn't heal. What does that mean? I'm assuming, I mean, can just stop, like, abruptly? Not stop, mm. lean. Uh, so it'd be like the wind forcing the sails to make the ship lean or cant in one direction or the other. Yeah, okay. That's healing. What are oilies? What are oilies? Yeah. Also called oil skins. Oil skins? Mm, mm-hmm. Sounds like a trap. This sounds like a good <laughs> need to say something problematic. Mm. 
<laughs> no, I, I have zero idea on oilies. Foul weather clothing worn by sailors. So oh. basically like your windbreaker. <laughs> Rain jacket. Okay. It's your oily. It's your oily. That one's fun. <laughs> yeah. Hey, grab uh, your lastly, lastly, and this you probably should know. What does SS stand for? Like if I were to say this is the SS Dolly Parton. What is that? What does that stand for? Uh, <laughs> special ship. That's a special ship. It is ship, but uh, it's sturdy. No. <laughs> uh, uh, spectacular. <laughs> what we're looking for is steam, ladies and gentlemen. Steamship. <laughs> but, but they still use SS on stuff on ships, and they're not okay. It's wild you said that, and I realized that on my desk, I have my uncle's when he was in the Navy. Oh, shit. Like, plate, and it says JWSS, and it's, yeah, it stands for steamship. My uncle was a steamship. I didn't know that. (laughs) (laughs) So, there there is some sailing terminology for you. Now I want you to go out in the world and be like, I'm going to don my oilies. It looks like it might sprinkle. And I will go aft to the leanward side as we go to the Havelfords Port Mains. Okay, let's move. <laughs> I'm just going to make up sailor terms now. Um, so one, so I, I did some reading that wasn't truly just in prep for this episode. I had these books already mm-hmm. and have read or had started reading most of them. Um, so one of the books that I read and tried to read more of before we recorded is called Two Years Before the Mast. It's a memoir by this guy named Richard Henry Dana. Mm-hmm. He, he was in college, and he was going to Harvard, and he got um, measles, and it affected his eyesight. And the doctors were like, why don't you go to sea? It might cure your eyesight because that was a thing. But the funny thing is it did. Oh, it did? <laughs> yeah. I don't what? know what the science is there, but somehow being at sea really did cure his eyesight. But anyway, he, instead of just like going on a sea voyage, which he could have done because he was kind of a rich kid, he decided to just enlist as a common sailor. And he, while on the ship, He was on kind of just like a a trading mission. It was supposed to be, I think, a year long. And he was kind of going down the coast of California and like down to Mexico. Mm -hmm. Um, He witnessed a lot of like, I guess, power trips (laughs) by the captain. He witnessed a lot of behavior that he just felt was really unjust, like the captain's use of corporal punishment, like floggings. Mm -hmm. Um, so he kept a diary during his trip and kind of wrote down everything that happened during the day. And after he was done, he kind of transposed his notes into this memoir that we have now called two years before the mast. And it's a classic because this memoir kind of brought light to the, just what happens on a ship, like what total power and control a captain had yeah. So this dude went back to Harvard and he went to law school and he used his findings to actually advocate for sailors and people who worked 
in this industry to try to change these laws and kind of cap the use of corporal punishment yeah um, and just kind of limit the the captain's power so he ended up being this like huge advocate for justice in the life of a sailor um Insane. so yeah it's really interesting but um so, i know a lot changed after that and that was in the early 1800s so like, like 1830s yeah. like towards yeah. like the golden age of sailing period yeah because mm-hmm. that's one of the thoughts I had when I was looking into sailing. One of them came to the fact that, like, because this ship is going out into the ocean, which is already mm-hmm. unnatural for humans, but we have this thing in us where we're like, nah, we can fucking do it. We'll figure it out. And so, like, we, we brave these unnatural conditions with our, you know, intellectual human innovation to get out <laughs> to sea. And it Mm -hmm. does create, though, it would have had to have created these, like, cultures, like the vernacular, like we just talked about. They had their own kind of way of talking. They had their own thing. And, like, even, like, that one social experiment with the uh, prison where they showed Mm -hmm. people who get power over other people for really no reason other than they have power, how much it corrupted. Like, it would be hell. There's no way out. You can't, like, leave. You're stuck on this <laughs> boat and just True. these people's control. Yeah, and, I mean, you're right. The The captain just had total, like, total power to do whatever he wanted, issue whatever kind of justice he deemed was necessary. But, you know, also, they're, they're just living in very poor conditions to begin with. It's, they're, yeah. they're always wet. They're always cold. They're all huddled together in the forecastle, <laughs> um, and you know they're barely sleeping because they're taking turns doing watch <laughs> and doing hard labor to on top of all yeah. of that. So also getting paid like four dollars a month or something crazy. Um, so you know it was about time that someone kind of spoke up for these people. <laughs> And I mean, that's kind of how it goes with everything. Humans push into these new areas, and then we are forced to then, like, come to terms with, okay, now we're here, and it's normal. Sailing Mm -hmm. is going away, so now we (laughs) have laws to protect sailors. Right, because, like you said, it's it's a very unnatural position for a person to be in, that he's living living aboard something that's floating in the ocean for years at a time, just making port every so often. So... It was just like so unknown. People didn't know this was happening and yeah. they didn't know how these people were living. So it just kind of shed some light, you know, two years before the mass is still a classic because it kind of exposes that life for what it was. Exactly. Golly. Do you think like that's the other thing is like I couldn't be a sailor for that reason. Like if I was mm-hmm. on a boat. I couldn't be like, oh, I guess I just follow these rules. I mean, I guess I would have to, or they'd probably just kill you, right? Yeah, I mean, you would definitely be flogged. Dude, oh, <laughs> my God. And, and like, then, yes. yeah, and I, I mean, if it was, if you did something terrible enough, you'd be court-martialed when you got back to land and potentially punished more, <laughs> so. You fucking, you fucking, do, do your worst. Do your worst, dude. I'm staying <laughs> on land. Yeah. The, the sea life is not for me as much as I would like it to be. Um, but do you have anything to say specifically about the life of the sailor? Or do you want to get into some stories about shipwrecks? 
I guess I'm mean, in my head. I jump to like what kind of person becomes a sailor? What like yeah? In my head. I view it of the the what I saw thought of before was like this idea of like his family is waiting at the port waving goodbye <laughs> for his voyage because he's a big manly sailor and listen boy this is just what i have to do i have to go out to see it calls me <laughs> then like i look into it and i feel like it was one of those things where like they just grab people who had nowhere else to go and it was just people being like get yeah. on the boat we need warm bodies to throw at work for a long period of time there was a lot of that actually happening and that they were just like supposedly shanghaiing people into service. Um, there's another term for it that I don't even remember, but uh, I mean, I think that it's a mix, right? I think that there's doctors a lot of people sending people out. Doctors were like, yeah, go, yeah. <laughs> go to sea. I think he just meant on go, like go on a leisurely cruise, but this dude was like, I'm just going to be a merchant seaman actually. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But no, I think it's a mix of people, right? There's definitely the people who are using it as a form of escape that probably had romanticized idea of, of what it would be like. And they were like, yeah, I'm just going to escape reality, not knowing they were going to be like flogged and work like a dog. Yeah. Um, but I think there's also a lot of people that it was just like a family legacy to go to see their whole family were sailors or fishermen or yeah. whalers, whatever. So it's just like expected of them. Yeah, and I mean, it's, like, even down to, like, the food. Like, one of the things that I saw was, like, the food that they had to bring with was not, like, food. It was just, like, <laughs> the stuff that lasts at sea. Yeah. So they were, like, why do all of our sailors get sick all the time? It's, like, well, because you're feeding them, like, these, like, hardtack, which is mm -hmm. wheat and flour that just, you just match it, and they're, like, yeah, it's protein. Fucking put it in your body. I'm, like... <laughs> It's just treating people literally like pieces of equipment. Yeah. Like the only goal was to keep you going long enough to just propel this boat further and further. Right. And a lot of times they did carry like a vat of lemon juice so that scurvy wouldn't be a thing. But they didn't realize that lemon juice loses its effectiveness at a certain point. It's not enough vitamin C to keep you going. So scurvy happened anyway. And scurvy is very, very terrible. Yeah. I don't know if you've seen what it does to a person, but the terror was very enlightening for me. What? Okay, I don't, it, I, I think it's just lesions, right? You just get fucking stuff all over your skin, right? Or am I thinking of I something mean, else? That does happen, but it's more like you just start, you start bleeding from everything. You start bleeding from your pores, from your hair follicles. Any, like, old wounds you have could like open back up because it's like eating away at your scar tissue oh my so God. yeah like just your body is bleeding from every orifice <laughs> you know it's it's so terrifying it's so terrifying because it's like literally you're out at sea and you're like it's the worst thing in the world that your blood is like get us the fuck out of here yeah, your body just go. starts eating itself <laughs> It, that is, oh my God, dude, humans, yeah. it's like, if we were smart, if everyone had the brains like I have now, like <laughs> if I cut myself, I'm like, oh, you know, don't do that. Or you touch a hot stove. You're like, oh, we don't touch the hot stove anymore. <laughs> They're like, no, let's find a way around the bleeding out of our orifices so that we can continue to do this. See, people are a different breed. There are so many terrible, terrible things that can happen to you. 
Dude, there really is. Okay, so this is a good question. I know we talked about romanticizing and how you would love to go to sea and the romanticization mm -hmm. of that. And you just mentioned it's in your blood. Do you believe that there is kind of that thing with it? Do you believe it? there's like those people that are born to be sailors? Like that's just their calling was to be a sailor. I think so. I don't necessarily think that it's just legacy based, like just because your father and your father's father were seamen doesn't mean you have to be. But like, I think there definitely are people who are predisposed to that kind of lifestyle or just it calls to them. Like yeah. it is, maybe it is just because it's romanticized in their mind and they don't see it for what it is. But I do, I think there's like for, it, it's like any occupation. There's a genuine compulsion. Like I want to do this. Yeah. So sure. Yeah. It's like it's like bombing for stand-ups, you know. <laughs> it, it, it not except, on the team at all, at all. Yeah, except if you bomb, you just start bleeding from every pore. <laughs> Dude, hey, honestly, that's what it feels like sometimes. Okay, <laughs> we're at the yeah, okay. feels like part of uh the world where we can be like it feels bad, and sales would be like, yeah, it feels bad. Sure, uh -huh. that sounds awful. But yeah, there's that like compulsion of like, even though this is so embarrassing and I ate my dick in front of 20 people in complete silence and they could see my face turn red and just drip sweat and then I can't make eye contact with anyone afterwards. I'm back next week. Why? Why? So kind of in that same vein, I think that at least with like the discovery service and to some extent, I guess, being a merchant seaman, but more like the like whaling as well i think there's a aspect of feeling like a hero like a job akin to being like a firefighter you know you just feel like you're doing something that's dangerous but necessary so people must view you like hercules you know you're this mythical figure and they're like oh look at that guy he's a sailor he yeah. he does whaling like <laughs> they were they in a lot of places they were viewed as like super important because Specifically for whaling, if you lived in Nantucket, that was like a huge occupation, but also everything in your life ran on whale oil. And if you didn't have whalers, you didn't have lights or stoves or yeah. whatever. Dude, you so, were is yeah. like, Sailing is as important as like of an invention as like the printing press or the wheel. Like it's one of those moments yeah. in human history where like we went from nothing to like this great ability to expand what we were able to do for sure so i i'm gonna i have three stories about shipwrecks but i kind of put them into these three categories so merchant seaman seaman um seaman 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 is just stuck in my head now useless <laughs> himbo <laughs> so anyway the three categories are merchant ships whaling ships and uh polar expeditions okay so the first category merchant ships the story that i'm going to tell is about the mary celeste mm -hmm. it's this book here called ghost ship Ooh. it is by brian hicks um so this dude benjamin briggs he's the captain of this ship first of all the ship the mary celeste is cursed as hell Every voyage it has ever been on has been bad. It's crashed into shit. Like, just so much inexplicable stuff has happened to this ship already. Benjamin Briggs gets it somehow. 
he is a legacy sailor. So everybody in his family is somehow involved in the sea trade. <laughs> yes. He wears his so father's he, hat, who was his father's father's hat. Yes. Fans at he, the had, he had multiple brothers. They all were involved in some way. Also, pretty much everyone in his family died at sea, too. So he doesn't have the greatest legacy, but decides, hey, I'm going to be a captain anyway. This is what we do. Yeah. So he decides also that he is going to bring his wife and infant daughter with him. Um, he had, I know, it's not a good idea, I think, but he really didn't see the danger. Um, he was just delivering... 1700 barrels of denatured alcohol so this was not like drinking alcohol this was ethanol this was like mercantile grade alcohol poison if you drink it (laughs) um so they picked up the shipment in new york harbor they waited for good conditions they were supposed to be bringing this to genoa italy so the ship left on november 7th from new york harbor and that was the last time it was seen until December 4th. There was another ship called the DeGradia and it was, it spotted the Mary Celeste and it was just kind of like drifting in a really weird way. It was clear that it didn't have anyone at the helm. Yeah. So they kind of, uh, they sent a couple of people who boarded it and these people walked around and nobody was on board. So they kind of, tried to investigate a little bit to see if there were any signs of like a struggle if there was any sign that like people had been killed but everything was in order it didn't look like they had really fled in a hurry like Mm -hmm. there was no food in the process of being prepared or that had been prepared and left um it didn't look like there were any weapons around the only weapon they found was a sword but it was sheathed and stored um there was a spot on it that they didn't know what it was they thought maybe it's blood turned out to be rust um (laughs) so the degradia was like well we can salvage this ship and make some money so some of their crew brought it back to harbor and they went they have to go through a salvage hearing to be like how did you get this yeah did you can you keep it (laughs) exactly so during this hearing the people were the people who were trying them were not kind and they accused them of killing either killing everyone on board for the insurance money or working in league with captain briggs to collect insurance money yeah uh, basically committing insurance fraud because it is kind Turns, of insane that you go out to sea yeah, and then like and just come find back a derelict like, ship yeah yeah like yeah. Be, like showing up with another car and being like it was no one had it and so i right. just this car now you know <laughs> Ultimately, though, they were cleared and they were able to collect the salvage, although it wasn't much. It wasn't what they were expecting, I guess. Um, But after this happened, like there were all these theories about what happened to the crew. And it was kind of only made worse when Arthur Conan Doyle, author of Sherlock Holmes, decided to publish a story in a magazine where he alleged to be one of the survivors. And he was like, oh, this is what happened. Like this, we were set upon it was mutiny and oh all the God. crew was killed 
and like it later came out because I think he was also yeah he was writing under a pseudonym pretending to yeah. be like a survivor it did that's later come smart. out that, that was that's like, so smart by the way yeah as far as like writing a compelling story be like I oh, yeah. was there I saw everything what a totally. dude, what a hustle guy dude shout out to him <laughs> on his grind oh, yeah but of course you know that only caused more and more speculation and people like oh did you hear there was blood on the sword when really it was only rust um so there was just so much mystery about the Mary Celeste. So what the most possible explanation, and this is a spoiler if you plan on reading the book, it is a very good book, um, but it's a lot less interesting, but still like, you know, compelling. Yes. So they, remember they're transporting 1,700 barrels of ethanol. Yeah. So they were sailing through waters that were it was like a, a very warm area where they were sailing yeah. right so the thought was that because it was so warm all of the ethanol just kind of started to produce fumes in the hull so they had to air it out so the barrels didn't start exploding <laughs> so they think that what happened is when they opened the hull to like let out those fumes it just started like suffocating people to the point where like you know they were having a hard time breathing they were feeling woozy nauseous whatever so they took a lifeboat and everybody in the crew got on the lifeboat and tied it to the ship and somehow they got separated somehow the whatever rope they used to tie off to the ship became <laughs> broken and they just kind of floated away oh my god yeah. Dude, okay, time out. I'm more quick <laughs> to believe that it was a ghost than that. That doesn't seem logical <laughs> to me. Like, you put the lifeboat and you tie it, and then it somehow gets untied? Yeah, it is interesting. Like, there is a lot of room for speculation here. Obviously, that is the least interesting possibility and the dumbest, because, like, that's that's all hinged on the fact that someone couldn't tie a knot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah dude and it's just what this guy benjamin briggs and his family and, and there were other crewmen yeah. i think uh i thought i wrote it down but i didn't but it was it was a relatively small crew i think it was something yeah. like 21 people so they all pile onto this lifeboat tie off and then just float away <laughs> oh my god dude the the just the mental image of like one you're out at sea two <laughs> Everyone hops in this lifeboat, and then you're like, oh, this is a, we're really in a bad spot here, you know? This sucks. We're in a lifeboat tied to our boat. And then someone's like, and you tied that knot, right? And he's like, oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> he's like a double. Why is the ship getting further? <laughs> Dude, and then you're just, that's even worse. Somehow that made the situation worse. Being in a lifeboat yeah. out at sea is so much scarier somehow than what's already terrifying to me, which is just being on a boat. Yeah. I don't, I also don't know why they couldn't have just like, there, there had to be some spot on the boat where the wind wasn't blowing the ethanol fumes towards them, right? Like, I feel like they all could have piled onto one area for a while and waited it out. <laughs> yeah, dude. But no, 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 no. That's not an option because mm -mm. we named these places very specifically and they have specific purposes and we're sailors and this is what we do. <laughs> we hang out in the folksy. Is that it? Did I do it right? Folksle? Folksle? <laughs> Yeah, but I mean, it just, oh, 
dude, that's crazy. Yeah. That's fucking wild. So I guess one of the dangers of being a merchant seaman is just being like gassed out by your own cargo. Yeah. But also <laughs> you said that this ship had like, I am way more on the spooky side of this. Some supernatural shit had to have happened, right? Like that's Maybe. more fun to believe. I mean, it, it was obviously a very cursed ship to yeah. begin with. So who knows? Maybe the ship didn't want him on board and caused something crazy to happen. I, that's a more interesting explanation than ethanol. And that's the side I I choose to believe. <laughs> I choose to believe that the Mary Celeste, also a scary ship name, the Mary Celeste. Yeah, yeah. Oh my God, damn. So <laughs> the second story that I'm going to tell you is a pretty famous story. It actually inspired Herman Melville to write Moby Dick. And there is a movie about it. It's called In the Heart of the Sea. Um, it is about... Yeah, you saw it? I, I'm pretty sure I've seen that. Yes, 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 yes. Okay, yeah. Um, it stars Chris Hemsworth and uh, uh, <laughs> uh I love him Hemsworth. so much, and I can't remember his name ever. And all the people, Brendan Fraser. Um, no, <laughs> Danny DeVito. <laughs> no, I'll think of it later. He's the Peaky Blinders guy. Anyway, so Shelby, yes. Uh, Murphy, yeah. Murphy, 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 Cecilian. Cecilian Murphy. Cecilian yes. Murphy. Okay. Yes, the we got there. <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, yes, In the Heart of the Sea. It's by Nathaniel mm. Philbrick. Um, it's a bonkers story. So the whale ship Essex, parts Nantucket, August 19, or sorry, August 12th, 1819. Mm -hmm. So it was supposed to be a two and a half year voyage to the west coast of South Africa. They're whalers so they're trying to go to like really whale infested waters yeah they start out in south africa and they weren't having a lot of luck the locals told them about this spot kind of off the beaten path they could go to find whales so the crew consisted of captain george pollard first mate owen chase second mate matthew joy okay. and when they divided into whale boats those three would kind of be the head of the group. So it'd be three, three whale boats, each captained by one of these people. Um, there were 21 men in the crew. So at one point, Chase was on board the Essex. He was repair, repairing one of the whale boats and the crew sighted this huge sperm whale. Um, it's a male sperm whale, it's called a bull. And they approximated it at 85 feet in length. Yeah, And he noticed it was acting kind of strange. It was laying motionless on the surface, facing the ship, when suddenly it just began to swim towards the vessel, picking up speed by kind of doing these shallow dives. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it Terrifying. rammed it, he rammed the boat. And Owen Chase was, like, stunned. And he was like, do I go for a harpoon but he hesitated because the whale was super close to the rudder so if he accidentally hit the rudder it would disable the ship shearing yeah. steering yeah. <laughs> so in the time that he was like pondering what do i do the whale turns around and starts headed back at the boat and rams it again so hard that it leaves this huge hole in the hull of the boat and the boat starts going down so the ship started sinking, but slowly. So they got a couple days to kind of salvage what they could from the wreck. 
and divide it into these three whale boats. Mm-hmm. They also tried to like reinforce the whale boats a little bit because that's all they had. So they kind of made the sides higher. They used the, the sails and masts. The gun walls, yeah. <laughs> um, but they didn't have a lot of navigational equipment. So only Pollard and Chase's boats got the navigational equipment. Mm-hmm. And Joy just had to kind of keep the other two boats in sight and not get separated. So Pollard, the captain, is like, let's just go for the nearest land. But the crew heard that the nearby islands were populated by cannibals. This is not true. If they had done what Pollard wanted to do, they would have gone to Tahiti (laughs) and been safe. Um, but you know, they, they were all skeptical. They, they heard yeah. tales of cannibals. So Dude, on those boats, when they're like, Oh man, the ship's sinking. What are we going to do? And someone's like, my cousin told me there's cannibals on that <laughs> Island. You guys, we can't go there. Right. I think it would have taken my chances. Yeah. And this is kind of where the movie differs because the movie made Pollard out to be the idiot and Owen Chase was right about everything, but Pollard was pretty right here chase is the one who was like no actually let's go to south america three thousand miles to the east in whale boats so (laughs) after one month at sea they get to this island it's called henderson island it's completely uninhabited it's very rocky and very treacherous okay they did find some fresh water as well as birds so eggs as well and like crabs Mm-hmm. So they stayed there for about a week, at which point they pretty much exhausted all the island's resources. Three men opted to stay behind on the island and were late, later actually rescued, but a year later. So they stayed on that island for a year. Jesus! Yep. So the others set sail. Matthew Joy, second mate, he was already a pretty sickly guy. <clears throat> So he didn't last much longer. He died on January 10th. Um, Chase's boat got separated from the other two. Now he had navigational equipment, so he could find his own way. But his boat got separated the day after Matthew Joy died. On January 28th, Pollard and Joy's boats got separated. So now every boat is on its own. Yeah, yeah. Um, At this point, Joy's boat, was never seen again all those people just disappeared so we have pollard and chase's boats left on february 1st pollard's boat ran out of food so they decided to draw lots to see who would be killed and eaten they became cannibals they sure did those fucking so, critical bitches we can't go to tahiti there's cannibals there and then they're like you know what we got it i have this great idea my yep. cousin told me dude if we're ever out at sea we just eat each other Speaking of cousins, Pollard's cousin, Owen Coffin, who was 18 years old and who Pollard had promised his aunt that he would look out for him, drew the short straw. Now, supposedly Pollard was like, I'll switch places with you. You can kill me. But Owen was like, no, no, I'll sacrifice myself for the good of the crew. So they shot him and ate him. Oh, my God, dude. Yep. Humans are so, so different back then. Humans are so different. I mean, it was that or die. I, I can't know. say I condone it, but it. I mean, you're rocking a hard place here. Yeah, you're in that position, just like, but like, just a group of men holding, like, drawing straws to find out who's mm-hmm. going to be eaten is such like a, like, I don't know, like, 
A spooky sight to picture. Would that bother you if you knew that after you died, you would be eaten? <laughs> oh, that is a really good question. That is a very good question. I, I, I would hope not. I would hope, I mean, like, I would say in that situation, I would be like, if I'm going to die, it better be for fucking something, you know? Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'd be like, yeah, sure, eat me. I'm dead. I don't care. I wouldn't necessarily want to be killed to be eaten. Yeah. <laughs> but if I'm dying anyway, sure. Yeah, why eat. not? I mean, <laughs> just, like, do me right. Like, make sure you yeah. enjoy me, you know? Use every part. Yes. <laughs> uh, so back to Chase's boat. On February 8th, they ran out of food, so they also resorted to cannibalism. But in their case, people were dying of natural causes. Oh, thank exposure, God. Exposure, starvation. <laughs> so they didn't actually kill anybody and eat them. They just ate the dead people. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, thank goodness, you know. Oh, yep. wow. So on, let's see, on February 18th, which is 89 days after the Essex sank, they got Chase's boat, which only had three people in it. And one of those people was the one who actually, um, like his notes allowed Nathaniel Philbrick to write in the heart of the sea. So Chase's boat is rescued 89 days later. Pollard's boat only has two people in it, Pollard and one other guy. It is rescued 93 days after the Essex sank. They get reunited, they're rescued, and go back to Nantucket, and all eight went to sea again within months of their return. <laughs> oh, damn it, dude. What is going on? Dude, I am starting to believe that these sailors are a different breed. They're like, they're 100%. like football players. They will die out their people, dude. It's like the surfer who gets attacked by a shark and then just goes right back to surfing with one less arm. Yeah, dude. <laughs> yeah, just like, I mean, obviously I'm going back out there. Are you out of your mind? Yeah. I got to catch that wave, bro. <laughs> I wonder if there's an element of like, well, I've survived the worst. Like, it couldn't possibly be worse than yeah. that. I'm going to be prepared this time. Okay, here's a, here's a good question. <laughs> Is it toxic masculinity? Like, I ain't letting the fucking sea beat me, you know? <laughs> Or is it like, they were like, well, we don't, what am I going to do? Become a baker or candlestick maker? Like, that's not going to fucking happen. There was probably an element of that. I know just from reading that book that um, Pollard, Captain Pollard, didn't do well. Like, he, you know, he was the captain of this ship that sank. You know, nobody wanted to sail under him again. So I think at some point he just becomes kind of the town crazy guy. And they're all like, look, that's. That's Captain Pollard. You know what happened to him? Ooh, <laughs> I just like, like they're like less afraid of the sea than they were about like getting called a pussy. You know? Yeah, <laughs> they were definitely more afraid of like the punishment that would. I think maybe that's it. They just wanted to go back to sea to escape whatever punishment was in store for them for losing. Because I don't think it was Pollard's ship. I'm pretty sure someone else owned the ship, and uh, Pollard was just the captain. So they lost out on a lot of money when it sank. Not that it was his fault, but yeah. But apparently, I, I don't think it was the first time either he had sunk a ship. So <laughs> <laughs> it was a bad record. Yeah. But Owen Chase was kind of like a bro-y dude. 
And I could see him My just God. being like, I won't let the sea take me. <laughs> I'm back out there, dude. Damn. Well, maybe it's also just like, if I'm going to go, it's me in the sea. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to be what kills me. Jeez, dude. And also, this was just a side thought I had very early on, but do we call them seamen because they were going after sperm whales? No, but sperm whales are named so because the oil looks like sperm. That's how original we are as a species. So for real, we that is what? For real. Damn. 100%. Shit, dude. They're like it's either <laughs> sperm whales or cum fish. So we got to decide. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, so Owen, okay. That, that Owen Chase guy goes right back out there and is like, I got to go. Yep. I got to go settle it. Damn, dude. Yep. That's I'm watching that movie again. I'm watching that movie again. I know. It's, a, it's a pretty good movie. The only thing the only real discrepancy is that they make Owen Chase out to be like the hero when he was more of a dick. <laughs> but I mean, he did survive. So uh, whatever constitution he's got, it worked for him. Damn, what do you think those guys on the island for a year did? Ate crabs. <laughs> ate crabs and like hung out, but like at the same time, it's weird. We're so lucky in today's society. Like I have my phone, yeah. I have video games, I have books. Like a year on an island. With nothing. Yeah. If what I'm in that situation about? though, realistically, if my choice is to stay on an island that does have water and food or to go back to sea in a whaleboat, I think I'm probably going to be one of the people that's like, just leave me here. Yeah, I'm good. Like better chances. It turns out humans are supposed to be here, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, damn. Yeah. So whaling was a rough business. But yeah. what's even rougher is my third story, which is the Discovery Service, which was polar expeditions. Yes. So... Would you say of, polar expeditions hmm. are the scariest version of sailing? Just for like that is adds a whole new element. That's such a yeah. Like it's cold to me because it's cold. Right. It's like now not only are you at sea, a thing that could kill you in so many ways, yeah. but now you're in conditions that human beings weren't meant to survive, like weather-wise. You know. Yeah. So you're in super below freezing temperatures at sea. <laughs> Damn. And did you know, at 40 degrees below, your teeth can explode? Shut the fuck up. Now I'm terrified. <laughs> your teeth because, can explode? Because the nerves inside your teeth are warm. And if they freeze on the outside, they'll just explode. Oh, my. Did this happen to people? Mm-hmm. How else would they know? <laughs> I thought, oh. <laughs> Dude, there is so much scary shit that other humans had to do so that I don't even have to know about it, you know? Yeah. And the thing is, like, all of, for the most part, anyway, these expeditions were to chart trade routes. So okay. the one I'm going to talk about is terror adjacent because it is the Lost Franklin Expedition. So on May 19th, 1845, 129 men set sail aboard two ships, the HMS Terror and the HMS Erebus, under the command of Sir John Franklin. So they were trying to chart the Northwest Passage. So um, it's, they ended up in the Victoria Strait near King William Island in what is now the Canadian territory of Nunavut. So they were up north. <laughs> um, so 
research suggests that after being icebound for more than a year, they the people abandoned Erebus and Terror and started walking. So the ships became completely impacted in the ice, completely frozen in. Unmovable. They unmovable. Not only that, but the pressure of the ice against the ship were crushing the ships so that even if the ice melted at some point, the ships just would have sunk. So they really had no choice but to start walking. Um, so the ships were abandoned April of 1848, at which point Franklin, the commander of the expedition, had already died, uh, along with two dozen others. So there are two people in command now. There's Captain French. Francis Crozier, who is the captain of Erebus, and then James Fitzjames, who is Franklin's second, so he's now the commander. Oh, sorry. Fitzjames is the commander of Erebus. Crozier is the commander of Terror. Okay, okay. Um, so they start walking, trying to reach the Canadian mainland. In this time, they disappear. Now, Franklin's wife was a huge advocate for sending out a rescue party. They were only supposed to be gone for, I think, two years. Um, so after three, she's like, what the fuck? Where is my husband? Can you do something about this? So wild that she's like, you were like, I'm, he's been gone for three years. And he's like, let's give him a little more time, okay? They were, like, all these polar explorers were like eh, it happens sometimes you know you're just gone the ship was stocked with five years worth of provisions so the theory was they could have survived for up to five years yeah but she was like something is wrong now yeah. luckily lady jane franklin had money so she funded her own expeditions bad and, bitch move yeah bad bitch for sure um unfortunately not much was found and not until pretty recently. Now, um, they did stop at not um, not towards the end, but like when they first set out, they made a stop at, I think it was called Elephant Isle. And they had these cairns where you could like write down messages and stick it inside the cairn. So whoever happened across it could find it. So they, whoever was searching for them found this message in the cairn and it did say, I think the last message was from Fitzjames and it had said Franklin died, but they were like, all is well at the end. So didn't really say where they were going. Yeah. Um, there was nothing to go on, but people had already started dying of different diseases and exposure. So there were human remains. So in studying these human remains, they found something pretty interesting. These people weren't necessarily dying of like hypothermia or starvation. They were dying of lead poisoning. So <laughs> what happened was before the expedition, Franklin commissioned this company to stock provisions for them. So they ordered all these canned foods essentially. But they were working too slow. And Franklin was like, we have to leave. You have to be faster. Yeah. So whoever was cooking, um, 
first of all, undercooked the food so they could get it in the tins faster. And also the sealing, the seal on the tins was lead. So food poisoning for one, because the, could, the food wasn't cooked properly, but they were sealing the tins with lead. Jesus Christ. So even though they had five years worth of provisions, those provisions were poisoning them in more ways than one. And did they, they probably didn't even realize it. No, um, they definitely would have felt not good. Yeah. <laughs> but they probably wouldn't have known why. Because at, at the time, lead poisoning wasn't really a known thing. Yeah. And now when you um, get poisoning, do you kind of go crazy? Kind of the same way? I believe Arthur? so, yes. Oh my God. Uh, yeah. People of sailors who are already crazy, crazy people, mm-hmm. even more insane on lead poisoning. That's, yep. oh my God. Okay, okay, keep going. I'm so, I'm on the edge of my seat, dude. <laughs> found these remains and examined them all these years later mm-hmm. they found a not okay amount of lead <laughs> of yeah so it honestly this this finding of the expedition has been going on for hundreds of years at this point and kind of remains have slowly been found over the years now they also have found human remains with cut marks on the bones which alleges potentially cannibalism was a thing as well um i mean they also found oh yeah they also found areas of pitting and scaling on the bones which suggested vitamin c deficiency which is the cause of scurvy Mm. so you know they were dying in all sorts of very horrible ways yes but the truth is just not much is known about what happened once they started walking other than they just disappeared all we really know is based on the little remains and artifacts that have been found, as well as testimony of the native Inuit. So the the weird, like the bonkers part is the ships themselves weren't found until 2014. So we did, be one of my questions, we did find, so they found the fucking ships. They found the ships 200 years later. Mm -hmm. Um, there was a Canadian search team led by Parks Canada. They located the wreck of the Erebus in the eastern portion of Queen Maud Gulf. And then two years later, so 2016, the Arctic Research Foundation found the wreck of the Terror south of King William Island. And that place is now called Terror Bay. So they also dive the wreck sites annually to see what else they can find. So this is still ongoing. Oh my God. All this time we're just slowly trying to piece together what happened to these people dude that is it's so insane it's such an insane existence i yeah wrap my head around it right now if you're to watch the show the terror or read the book the terror there are a lot of these facts interspersed and the people's names are the same but it's a lot of supposing what happened to them during this time mixed with maybe a monster <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's still a great show but um you're not gonna get the whole truth from it <laughs> the whole truth and and so they just go out there and they fucking start walking i can't imagine leaving a ship to start walking yep you just get yeah, a long way to go. Ah, so it would have been a 248 mile walk to the nearest habitated land. So do you think when they get off the ship, if 
in their heads, and we have to speculate here. We can't know, mm-hmm. for sure, but like speculating, like, do you think they had this understanding of we are dying? Like, there's no way. I think so. Walking somewhere. Now, probably, but there is another story. Um, there's tons of stories, but I read another book called Endurance, which was another polar expedition. They got frozen in the ice and had to walk, and they had a great captain. And because of him, every person survived. But the difference there was that they were supposed to be kind of a hybrid sea and overland expedition. So they brought sled dogs and they ate most of them, unfortunately. Apologies. (laughs) Yeah. But um, I like how that's the most that we've gotten. That's the most that we've gotten. (laughs) And like we would like, and then they drew the shorts. I was like, "Oh, that must have been crazy." And they were like, "I'm always no, way more no. sad when animals." <laughs> okay, but you were saying something. They so they all live with the. They ate the sled dogs, and then they they managed to and make they, it back. But before they ate them, the sled dogs were also useful for like hauling stuff. Yeah. So they they had a lot more help than this crew. So like, how important that what you said there? Like the captain was a good captain. He saved mm-hmm. all the people, or not saved, but like was able to. That puts in yeah. like how much of a difference the captain actually made, probably for sure. Like if if it's someone who is able to kind of boost crew morale, yeah, but while being a stern leader and like keeping people organized, you know, I think that does make a huge difference in just terms of like the drive to survive, you know. Yeah. You have to convince people to do something fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. And, like, and also, this is in your blood, you know? <laughs> We're going to live. Okay. And also, in the endurance, they, like, took photos of the journey the whole time. And we <laughs> have those photos now, which is fucking crazy to me. Dude, and the captain was also like, people are going to want to talk about how badass what I just did. Yeah. Like, okay? For sure. Okay, where do you think you'd fall on a ship? Uh, what What kind of sailor would you be on a ship? Are you just a regular sailor? A bad one. A bad <laughs> Come on. Both of us are going to be bad sailors. I only know how to tie my shoes. So, uh, but like, do you, you think you'd just be a regular sailor? Or do you think you have, you'd, you'd be able to like grab, grab some men and, and lead and take oh, no. as an <laughs> No, I'm going to be one of the first to die. <laughs> it won't even be like scurvy. I'll just give up. I'll just lay down and die. <laughs> You in full like sailor garb laying on your back on a ship just being like, like nope. Goodbye. This isn't on accident. I'm here to die. <laughs> you know, something that's interesting to me though is that one of the other differences between the crew of the Endurance and the yeah. Franklin Expedition is that the crew of the Endurance was able to take more personal belongings because they had the sled dogs. So they took stuff like books like they had entertainment they had stuff to actually kind of keep them occupied now of course they did kind of end up reading those same books over and over again but they at least had something to distract them instead of it just being a constant fight for survival that's crazy can i can i tell you a story yes my life and this is the closest (laughs) i've ever come to that experience and it doesn't know close but in high school, I worked at a grocery store, and we have a deep freeze. And one of the things <laughs> we did 
<laughs> every night before you closed is you would you had to check the temperatures and make sure all the freezers are working because there's thousands upon thousands of dollars worth of product that like sure. leave and the freezer's not working you just screwed over this grocery store well i was i was in high school i was checking temperatures and i walked into the deep freeze and you had to walk to the back of it and put a temperature gun up to the back wall and i for whatever fucking reason I just did the thing where I walked in and I kind of flicked the door closed a little bit and I just heard it click. I was like, oh, it's fine. There's a handle. And I went and checked the temperature and I walked back and hit the handle to open it and it didn't open. Oh, God. And so I'm here with one other employee at this grocery store locked in this deep freeze. And I literally like 10 minutes go by. My phone doesn't work because I'm in a metal box. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there. And I'm like, holy shit, uh, hopefully this guy comes and gets me. 20 minutes go by. Now I've been in this deep freeze and I'm freezing in a t-shirt and pants. What's the temperature? It's, 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 I can't remember the exact temperature, but it would have been around like where you freeze meat at, like keeping meat preserved cold. So I think that would have been like below freezing somewhere like- And hey buddy, you are meat. <laughs> I am me. Yeah, literally, literally. And like uh, the way my brain works, I had to like at one point, 30 minutes had passed and I was like, I have now accepted my death. I have now accepted that I, my parents are going to make a shit ton of money suing the fuck out of this place because the handle didn't work. And like, I tried everything. I did the pushups. I did, I ran in there to like keep my body temperature up. And literally, I had banged on the door. I had tried, like, I had grabbed a log of meat and hit the door. It was very scary. But I just remember at 45 minutes, the door just opens, and I get out. And the guy was like, I was about to leave. I thought you just ditched on your shift. My arms were, like, turning purple. He, like, gave me a jacket to put on. And I was, like, immediately, like, ah, this is so funny. Like, immediately was cracking jokes about it. And, like... As hearing that story of like they set out and they had those books, like that is the difference I feel like in a lot of these things. Like just being able to keep your mind occupied outside of it has been a game changer in these situations. Because if you're just fixating, you have to come to terms with like I'm either going to die or not. Yeah, you're just speculating your own death. That's yeah. it. That's all you have to keep you occupied. Yeah, dude. And I mean, thank God I've never done that. But like that was <laughs> that like freezing and like being like, I'm going to freeze to death kind of situation. God. Like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. And then hearing these guys <laughs> who just set out into the fucking freezing polar. On purpose. <laughs> on purpose. To be like, we're going to walk to free. I'm like, that is just, I don't know if I had it in me to like continue on. I think I would do the same thing and be like, I've accepted my death. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, another main difference is that to some extent, the crew of the Endurance knew that they were going to be walking. That was part of their expedition. So they were more prepared for that. Whereas the crew of the Terror and Erebus were like, these are top of the line ships, new technology. We've got provisions for five years. Yeah. They can't possibly be poisoning us. Mm, The Titanic hubris hits once again. Yeah. It is 100% hubris. It's like nothing bad can happen to us because we're set. Yeah. <laughs> Are you sure? Damn. Yeah. Do we do we need to like even touch on uh, Titanic? I think is the most famous shipwreck of all time, right? It is, but it's not that interesting. <laughs> yeah, come on. 
Last night at the cruise bucket. liner. Yeah. Eh, they could have been both people could have fit on the people die and not sailors dying. I'm like, <laughs> who gives a shit? Okay. <laughs> no. I guess, yeah, it is along those same lines though, of like this was not even a possibility in their minds. Damn. Damn. Yeah. It, uh, just to speak on the Titanic, uh, last night I was at a show and all the comics did get on a bit outside, which was uh, since Rule 34 that anything you say probably exists on the internet is real, is there porn of an iceberg fucking the Titanic? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I I think there's probably Jack and Rose porn out there, but I don't know about the iceberg fucking the Titanic. You don't think there's one where he's like, just the tip? Just the tip of the iceberg went in, you know? I like, hate it, you. Crime. It's it's- <laughs> anyway, you can catch me at Felice Lurie <laughs> Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me uh, at Benny Putz on Instagram <laughs> or at Benny underscore Putz on Twitter. <laughs> Oh man, but I I legitimately don't really have anything else. That that was the majority of what I had prepared. Any you have any closing thoughts, Ben? Closing thoughts? I I've come to terms with the fact that there like before this conversation, I think there was a tinge of me that was like, yeah, I could maybe do it. You know, I feel like I'm a I'm a very like I accept my surroundings and situations and then move forward with what I have kind of guy. And I was like, maybe I could. But then hearing these stories is like no fucking way. I'm never going to be meant for this. I mean, also, you don't have the option to be a sailor in 1845. Oh, I yeah. feel like that as well. <laughs> that as well. Sailing now is probably just another boring job because you're just like working on a transport ship with a bunch yeah. of cargo containers. Like a um, cabin. Go fuck off. Yeah. So, you know, it's not romantic enough. Yeah. I don't know. My closing thoughts are just I have a lot more curiosity around the topic in a weird way like Mm -hmm. i had just you know done my loose thing i was really excited to hear about shipwrecks and now i do have that kind of like i don't know if you gave it to me but that (laughs) like curiosity around shipwrecks now especially you know what it is more than anything it's just a really fascinating study of human nature what do humans do when pushed to the absolute limit what what do humans do in a survival situation? Yes. It's like fascinating psychology more than anything. And it's just set in a pretty like interesting setting. <laughs> yes, that that is that was my big thing with the sailor. It's just how much mm-hmm. we had to do. And to overcome that to get to where we are now. Like without those people doing that shit, we don't have the world we have today. For sure. So much of the world would still be undiscovered. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Dude, <laughs> thank God humans are fucking stupid, you know? <laughs> Sometimes it's beneficial. Do you have any final thoughts on the uh, the the sailing sailors and whatnot? The sailors who sail? I'm a sailor who <laughs> sails. Classic callback to what about Bob? There you go. Um, my closing thoughts are that I... You know, maybe there's not something wrong with me for being deeply fascinating, <laughs> deeply fascinated by this particular topic if it's interesting to other people. So I hope that everyone here found those stories kind of neat and want to yeah. go read about it. <laughs> yeah, hopefully. Or, yeah, I think 
I don't know if I can. I'm going to be real honestly. I don't think I could ever bring myself to read a whole book, <laughs> which I applaud you for doing. But I will watch so many movies. It's been a while. I, mean, <laughs> I don't read anymore. <laughs> um, I do have a couple superstitions. Oh yes. You want to just chat about these quick, or do you want to move sure. on? Do you think we have it? We have it all. I would like to hear a superstition or two. Okay. Well, the first one is it is unlucky to set off the start of a fishing season without having first shed some blood in a fight or in an accident. Oh, shit. So that makes sense when they would be like sailors looking for a fight. Yeah. You have to shed some blood, dude, to make sure I you get some fish. If there's like two guys about to board a shipping vessel, they're just like, oh, fuck, I haven't gotten to an, a fight yet. You want to just punch each other real quick? Dude, he's like, I have my harpoon. I have my nets. <laughs> what am I forgetting? <laughs> oh, dang it. Someone punch Darn. me in the face right now or we're <laughs> fucked. Okay, I guess I do have one sea-related superstition, and it's only from watching The Lighthouse. It's bad luck to kill a seabird. And that is because I actually did some further research to see if that was a real thing. It's because that people, sailors believe that people who die at sea, their souls go into like seabirds like seagulls so if you kill a seagull you're like killing the soul of a lost sailor essentially that's kind of beautiful in a way though yeah yeah you get to become a bird who just is like a flying garbage can that's pretty cool <laughs> it's got to be a goal of a sailor yeah for sure they've been eating hardtack for so long these leftover fries <laughs> on the beach sound great <laughs> yeah though i mean if you're gonna compare walking on ice for years to being a seagull, I think I'd choose being a seagull. 100%. Uh, do you want to know the superstition about women? Sure. Okay, this is the <laughs> same bad luck. Superstition. Yes, they are. <laughs> I'm not saying that. Sailors are saying that. <laughs> women were bad luck on board because they distracted the crew. <laughs> Which would... They're bad luck because of how much we couldn't control ourselves. If you yeah, if you got a woman on board, the strews and this is a crazy thing, uh, which would anger the sea, causing oh. treacherous conditions as revenge. Huh. So, it, so saying, this, yeah, Poseidon so, gets real angry when sailors get horny. Yes, because they're not doing their jobs, and so to punish mm. them, he causes a big old storm to happen. It's interesting how. Women have so much power to sailors. We distract them from their work. Uh, their sirens out there singing their songs to lure the men in. I, I think what we're really learning here is that women are just very dangerous to sailors. Women are very dangerous to sailors. That's why they have to yeah. strap them to the front of the boat. But <laughs> this is the second part to that superstition. However, conveniently for the male crew, a naked woman would calm the sea. <laughs> <laughs> Which is of course many figureheads were women with bare breasts. Yeah. That <laughs> like just oh, you're fucking up the sea, bitch. Take off all your clothes. <laughs> dude, good luck. Men are insane, oh dude. Men are yeah. crazy. God damn. Here I am, like, you can't kill a seagull because the lost soul of a sailor is in there. 
<laughs> you bring well take off your shirt and it's good luck yeah come on and then it makes it really like uh only fans like sailing is yeah. the uh, the version of only fans full circle <laughs> there you go yeah wow we did oh, it man damn dude that was a fuck i had a fucking blast that i loved hearing those stories you're a good storyteller do you Thank know you. I'm saying that on the podcast for everyone to hear. Felicia is a great storyteller. Thank you. I didn't feel that way when I was trying to read these, but I'm glad. I'm glad you were entertained, and I hope our audience is as well. Well, hell yeah. And guys, once again, you can follow me on Instagram, at Benny Putz, or at Twitter, at Benny underscore Putz. We have a Twitter account for our podcast called Spell You Later at spell you later pc mm -hmm. there is also a spell you later pc tiktok where clips mm -hmm. from the show will be posted yes um you can follow me at felice three on twitter or instagram i also just started a like witchy instagram called at later underscore spells because i would remember it mm -hmm. and that's where i'm just gonna post witch related stuff and probably do readings which i want to do more of so hit me up if you want a tarot reading yes do it do it do it do it <laughs> i i have i have never this is my recommendation to go follow felicia's spooky page thank uh, you she's the first person that has gotten me to actually like care about spooky shit because normally i go <laughs> no not i don't want to hear it dude i'll take it i might cut this out but last night a, a gal at the uh open mic she came and she said she was trying to tell me about astrology and why she like loves it. And I don't know mm -hmm. this person. And I said, I've heard every argument. I know what it is. You don't have, <laughs> you don't have to teach me about it. I choose that. I, this is not for me. I'm happy. It's for you. She went, don't you want to hear about my passions? And I said, no. <laughs> <laughs> but don't you want to hear about my passion? <laughs> And that is the difference is because I do want to hear about Felicia's passions. You're good at telling them, dude. So go follow that. later spells because Felicia's go good, at, later you spells. Know, good at doing Let it. Let me tell you your dr my dreams. Let me tell you about tarot. <laughs> okay. And after the podcast, I will tell you about a dream I have. Perfect. Hell yeah. So yeah, that's that. I guess uh, spill you later. Yeah, we'll spell you later, guys. <laughs> I missed it. <laughs> I have to unplug my mic now because my phone is going to die. Parents are getting punished for stifling childhood curiosities. Spell you later, it's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, not a religion bashing podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, it's a podcast, spooky podcast. Spell you later, it's a podcast, and it's time to start the podcast.